I think homework is respect. And when we get someone on the phone, we have to be respectful of their time. If there's something we could have learned without asking them directly, we should have learned it. You're listening to the Audible Ready Podcast, the show that helps you and your teams sell more faster. We'll feature sales leaders sharing their best insights on how to create a sales engine that helps you fuel repeatable revenue growth. Presented by the team at Force Management, a leader in B2B sales effectiveness. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Audible Ready Podcast. I'm Rachel Clapp Miller, and today we are going to talk about preparation and execution of a great sales call. We're joined today by someone who's making his first appearance on the podcast, our senior partner, Frank Azzolino. Frank, welcome. Hello, thank you for putting this together. It's a pleasure to be here. Great, and we're excited excited to have you. And I know our listeners are excited to hear what you have to say, Frank, because you've had quite a sales career executing yourself and leading teams, and now you're here with us at Force Management, helping some of our biggest clients and our most successful clients. I'd love to hear why you are so passionate about selling. Great question. Uh, I think it goes back to my background. Uh, I started my career as an engineer, and it was all about understanding problems and solving problems. And I think as a seller, uh, I think it we become, as uh, Daniel Pink points out, we become problem finders. And I think that's really a, a, a great skill to have in working with customers and clients to help them understand the business issues they're facing. And in as much as what we do in terms of products and services applies to those problems, you know, offering solutions to help those, uh, those customers. I think that starts with having a real and genuine curiosity an intellectual curiosity of wanting to know more about other people's businesses, uh, what makes them work, what makes them not work as well. And learning that, identifying problems that we can actually attach to in, uh, in, in terms of our solutions, but also uh, attach the, uh, you know, emotionally connect the client with those business outcomes that they're looking to achieve. So I'll stop there. Yeah, you know, I was going to follow up. I think um, one of the benefits to that approach, especially when you've been selling a long time, is you have that intellectual curiosity, but then you have that experience. So when you're going into a new client, I mean, how many times do you say, oh, I know another software company that was dealing with the same thing, and here's what they did. You have that, uh, that curiosity brings you knowledge about a lot of different businesses and organizations. I think you're absolutely right. If it's genuine, and, and, I, and if it's, if it's kind of contrived just for the sake of us reaching our goals, I think it falls short. Uh, but if it's genuine and we actually engage with the customer and learn and understand what they're dealing with, we will absolutely be able to call on our experience in prior history of having seen similar things and, and solved similar problems. Yeah, I think there's, you can, you um, also know where the landmines are, right? You can tell people, you don't want to do that. And I'll tell you why. Well, I absolutely like to tell people that uh, I've made all my mistakes on someone else's nickel. Well, good. Not bad there. Not so bad there. But I know, you know, and you kind of talk about it, Frank, I know you appreciate that art and the science of selling. And um, there are many people who listen to our podcast who are early in their careers, um, maybe their first, second, third job, and who among us isn't looking for better ways to prepare for and execute our sales calls. So let's just go ahead and, and dive into that 
Frank. Um, I know you have some great wisdom to, to share in that area. Let's start with the, with the basics. Let's just talk through the steps that you take when you're preparing for a first conversation with someone. And, and maybe I, I know a lot of conversations, you may know a lot about the person you're talking with, but let's just, for the sake of this conversation, let's talk about when you're preparing a first for first conversation with somebody that you don't have much information on. Okay. That's great. Um, I'm going to pull up just a little bit because I think there's some things that we're always doing. Mm -hmm. We're always doing three things in every conversation, on every call with every prospect and every customer. We're always discovering, we're always qualifying, and we're always negotiating. And this kind of falls into that discovery. I need to know as much as I can about that person, company, position, their objectives, their goals. And there's a lot of ways for us to discover besides asking them directly. You know, I, it's homework, and I think homework is respect. And when we get someone on the phone, we have to be respectful of their time. If there's something we could have learned without asking them directly, we should have learned it. If it's on their website, if it's on their LinkedIn profile, if it's public domain somewhere, that we should be able to have done our homework and know this, then I think it's fair for our client, our prospect, to expect us to have done that and to know that. So we're not... Uh, you know, wasting their time asking things that we should already know. But beyond that, uh, that is a, it's really a, so that's a great way to start is what is their LinkedIn? Let's go look at them. Where have they been? What have they done? What are the common connections that we have? You know, is this something that, that we, we have, you know, it's the six separations from Kevin Bacon, if you will. Sure. Sure. <laughs> So many people in so many different ways. It could be experientially. It could be personally. But for us to get on a phone uh, call or have a meeting without having done that homework, it puts us at a disadvantage. I think it's disrespectful. And we, we, we need to be doing more than that. When we do get to a common connection, there's two things we're looking for. One, we're looking for information. What, what is the information that this person can give us about someone that we know in common? And two... If their relationship is strong enough, would they give us the introduction? So it's info and intro are the two things we're looking for when we when we uh, when we do our homework with common connections. No, oh, I love that. I love that homework is is respect and info and and intro. And I've been on the receiving end of some conversations where I know that maybe they have done their homework, but I can hear that they're just either executing a script or just going down kind of the basic questions that they are always asking. And the, and the truth is, is it sounds like they're just running down their question list. Since that question track is, is so important to always be discovering and doing great discovery, how do you prepare for that question flow? Do you prepare questions or more importantly, are you preparing for, to listen well? Yeah, you, you just hit on it. Uh, the, the question is far less important than your ability to actively and intently listen. Mm -hmm. In early career sellers, and I know this because I was one and I did this, uh, <laughs> I would be thinking of my second question instead of listening to the answer to my first question. And so many of us do it. And it hurts us because we, we become kind of separated from the moment we really need to connect with that person. And if we listen intently, we'll find out so much more. Uh, if it's in person, we're also watching that body language and, 
and, and the intent behind the answer. And that's so valuable as well. But the idea of intently listening to the, to the answer to the question, that may bring you to a question that is not your next question as you planned. And, you know, uh, Clausewitz said that no plan survives engagement with the enemy. Now, prospects and customers are not our enemy, but the plan itself of having a list of questions that we think uh, we're going to ask, it's very unusual for me to actually go through and execute every question on that list in that order. We, when we do that, uh, we're no longer uh, situationally aware and, and contextually correct. So we have to be listening carefully and then go where the conversation wants to go. Go where the customer wants to take you because that's where you're going to find value. We set up our questions anticipating where that might be, but we may not know. Chances are we won't know everything we need to know. So let the customer bring us to where they want us to be and we're guiding them as opposed to dragging them. Oh, I love that. Guiding rather than dragging. And we, we've said it a lot, I know, in Command of the Message, people have a need to be heard. So if you can hit on what they want to talk about, they'll lead you. They will show you how to sell to them. I truly <laughs> believe that. And if, you, if you're patient, that's the other thing. I think that's probably one of the, I think patience is one of the most difficult and very important attributes or characteristics of a good seller. You've got to be patient. And I, too, I truly do believe with great questions and patience, uh, most people will teach you how to sell to them. That's great. Do you have a favorite opening question or a favorite discovery question that you like to use, Frank? I do. And I wish I, I learned it. Well, nine years ago, I started with, uh, with force management and I learned this from John Kaplan and I wished I knew it 30 years ago. <laughs> it's when you ask that, that question of tell me what you do well, or tell me what you're most proud of in terms of your organization, your company, your team, or, or you individually as a seller. In my case, I sell to sellers in this role. But when you ask that question, they start to tell you the things they're most proud of or the, or the positive things. But then they quickly start to say, yeah, but... I need help here. We could really use improvement over here. I wish we could this. And if I went in and asked them directly, what are the things that you're not very good at? What are the things that, what are your biggest challenges? Or the, the question that I hate, what keeps you up at night? <laughs> Those are just terrible questions. You put them on the defensive, they back up, they don't, they don't open up for you. When you ask what are the things that they love about what they do as a company or an organization or as a seller, they start telling you that, but then they open up a little and then they start telling you the, the areas where there's opportunity for improvement. And, and that's when you can really emotionally connect with them. And I think that's a great, it's a great question. It has worked for me so often. I'll go back to John Kaplan again. When you learn that, you learn so you know, better than telling them where they're broken. They share with you where they think they're broken. And then, as John says, people don't argue with their own conclusions. Yeah. And then they'll show you how to sell to them. They will. Yeah. <laughs> and part of that, letting the customer lead you in the conversation. And when you hear, if you're actively listening, you're hearing where you can provide value. And I assume, Frank, that when you do a call, you have an idea of what you want the next step to be. Um, and you might have to call an audible during the conversation if you're listening well. What are your best tips for getting to that next conversation? Um, let's say if you have to get to somebody higher up or another key influencer, how do you close for that in a conversation? Great question. And, and 
what I found over the years is that too often sales calls or sales meetings can go awry when you're trying to accomplish too much and it gets a little manic. Maybe sometimes the seller gets a little nervous. Maybe sometimes the client or prospect gets a little confused. What I do is I have a single, I'm a simple guy. I have a single focus. I have this, there's 10, 12 things maybe. There are a finite number of objectives for any meeting or call. And medic is a great example of how we can determine what those are. What do we know? What don't we know? When you're looking at the things we don't know, what are the steps we need to take to find out those, those things that we don't yet know? And there's known unknowns and there's unknown unknowns. So there's still a very finite list of things we go into a call looking to, to achieve. I will take that if it's on a phone call. I'll take that on a little sticky and I'll put that on my laptop and I'll focus on that. When I get to that objective, and it may be a long circuitous route to get to there, mm -hmm. when I get to that objective, I'm done. I don't want to complicate things. I want to set a list of next steps. I want to wrap up the call and close on that single objective that I had. It could be setting up a, a meeting with the economic buyer. It could be getting to a, a POV or a demo. It could be, you know, uh, moving into procurement and, and coaching my champion on how to help us before we get there. Whatever that is, once I achieve that objective, I then want to wrap that up, confirm with the client, you said you would do this, here's our time frame for that. I said I would do this, here's the time frame for that, and here's our next step. Thank you very much, goodbye. And yeah. when we want to, and now along the way, you may find some shiny objects left and right in our conversation. It doesn't mean we ignore those shiny objects, but let's let's get a bookmark for them. And I would say to my client, you know, that was an interesting comment you made about that. I'm going to ask permission to come back and talk about that maybe on our next call because that was pretty interesting. I want to understand more about that. But let's keep moving forward on what we what the objective of today's call was. Yeah, that that's a really good thing to remember that you don't want to try and do too much in the conversation. And that goes back to your earlier point, Frank, of preparing, right? You're preparing for that conversation and, and who you're talking to to actively listen, but you're also preparing for what you might want that next step to be. Right. And, and it's the understanding that the small wins add up to the big win. You don't have to eat the elephant all at once. So let's start with a, with a thoughtful approach as to how we're going to do this and collect those small wins one at a time. Yeah. You're slowly chipping away at what you need to, to create that great value story. We get a lot of questions from, from salespeople, uh, listeners of our podcast, who maybe progress the deal a little further than they should have. And you talked about always be qualifying. And so they, they progressed it. It's not really as baked as it needs to be. They need to go back. They need to do, do more discovery. They know they're not aligned to the biggest business issue. What do you recommend in that situation? How, how do you back up the deal? Yeah, that's nice. I, I have a name for that. I call it the rewind. Okay. So yeah. maybe it's just, uh, I'm old enough to have used cassette tapes in my, my day. So, uh, you know, the <laughs> rewind it makes sense to me. Um, but, you know, there's two. First, it's understanding how we got there. And there's two reasons I think. Uh, one is we advanced too far. And the reason we advanced too far is we either made some assumptions that prove out to not be correct, or things themselves have actually changed. Mm -hmm. The second is that the prospect may already have been ahead of us 
in their journey while we try to draft in. And, you know, there's three things that the customer is trying to do in their journey. They're trying to determine their requirements after they acknowledge they, in fact, have a, have a problem. Then they try to look at all the available options and evaluate those options. And then making a decision as to which of those solutions lowers their risk and, and proves out to be the best possible solution for them. So while they're doing that, we may draft in to their process at different times with a different set of assumptions. And... If we come in late, if they already know, for example, if they already know they want to buy us, mm -hmm. we ever get there. And the studies have shown that, you know, the, the numbers vary between, I think it's 67 and 83% of the different studies, Forrester and, and, and the like, have done uh, of technical buyers who believe they know what they want to buy before they ever engage with a seller. If they happen to already know they want to buy us, well, then as a seller, there's really not much more for me to do. You can send a dog in with a note and get the deal. <laughs> right. As sellers, we typically don't see that situation. We typically see a situation where we're entering in or drafting into their, their buyer's journey in a way that they're well in the middle. A lot of their mindset has already been established. So we've got to ask great questions that kind of open the aperture, allow them to see things differently from a lens that, you know, that we want to provide because it benefits us in some way. We want them to look at us in a, in, in a way that the marketplace hasn't seen us, or we want to look at the problem in a way that the customer is not looking at it. Uh, maybe we want to expand the problem, make it a little bit bigger, make it a little more with a, a greater sense of urgency, uh, maybe getting higher in the organization, closer to power, money, and influence. And that requires us to rewind them in their thinking. And the three things we're trying to do while the customer is doing those, they're journey. We're trying to uncover their problems and, and understand the objectives, you know, their desired business outcomes. We're trying to influence their criteria. And ultimately, we're trying to map our solutions to their, their criteria and ultimately their outcomes uh, in a way that makes us look like we offer them the best outcome at the lowest risk. Yeah, it's almost listening to you. It's almost you're trying as you try to rewind, you're trying to find the gaps in their decision making thus far. Like what haven't they thought about? What are their landmines they're set up to hit if they don't make a shift? And that provides us, yes, and that provides us the ability to add value to the process. If we're able to expand their realm of the possible, open their eyes to something they hadn't thought of or, or a point of view that they hadn't considered. That's adding value. Whether they do business with us or not, eventually, somewhere along the line, they will find value in our, in, in our ability to expand their thinking. And, and that act is a positive relationship can be built from that because we actually brought value to what we're doing. Yeah. And you, you mentioned patience earlier. I think Sometimes it, it may be a struggle or, or tough if you know you need a deal and you're trying to make your quota and you want to almost push the customer forward when you, when, if you were patient and backed up the deal, you probably will have a bigger reward at the end. Great. You know, I, when, when I, my children were younger, they'd say, uh, dad, what do you do? And I say, I allow other people to have my way. <laughs> That really requires patience. And as long as my way is, is you know, mutually beneficial, I don't mind winning as a seller, but I want to make sure that when I win, I'm actually bringing value and helping the customer solve the problem that they, that they want to solve. Mm -hmm. I, I think you can sell, a good seller can sell something to someone once, 
any time at all, whether it works or not. But to have that long relationship, what you sell actually has to provide value and ultimately bring them to to their you know desired outcome. But having it be their idea, it's okay. It's yeah. all right. You don't you know. John says he doesn't need the credit; he needs the money. Uh, you know, I, I like that saying, and uh, I think that that pertains a lot to having the customer make the decision as opposed to having one forced upon them. Right, and I know that's worked well for you because you have sold to the same people over and over again at different companies, even here, even here at Force. And I'm sure Frank, you've told people too, selling Force that hey, you're not ready for us. That's okay. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, we we will not any matter what we're selling. And I've told, you know, several different companies and, and, and run, you know, uh, a handful of companies in between. And we're not going to have the solution to everybody's problem. And that's OK. If they're looking for a back office accounting system and, uh, you know, and I sell uh, snow removal equipment, that's <laughs> probably not a good fit. So, you know, yeah. it, it acknowledge that. Uh, but along the way, it's also all right to say, you know what? But I have someone who, uh, I have a client who just bought a, a back office accounting system. And, you know, they had really good luck with X, Y, Z. Why don't I connect the two of you? It's, yeah. it's the service we provide. We're in the business of, of, I think we're in the business of serving others. And that's whatever it is we need to do. It happens to be our product and service. That's great. If it happens to be someone else that we can help them with, it's an easy give. I think that's a wonderful thing to do. That's great. So, and back to the discovery conversations, and we talked about rewinding the deal. And we know that our customers, our prospects, uh, the decision makers are having conversations with us when we are in, in the room. And we talk a lot about enabling your champion. We have some other podcasts on that. I'll link them up in the show notes. But at the same time, more than your champion is talking about your solutions when, when you're not there. So beyond those initial conversations that you're having, how do you enable the decision makers to truly understand the value you provide when you're not there? It's sort of this idea of how do you help them command the message when you're not there? Yes, great question. There's I'm going to pull up a little bit. I ran Asia for uh, PTC in the early in the early days. It was mostly uh, it was all uh, indirect. It was a channel model at the time. Mm -hmm. I assigned three uh, Japanese distributors, and I would go over there and would have meetings. And I didn't understand the language or speak the language, but they spoke enough English for us to get the work done. But while I was in those meetings, they would have their sidebar conversations in Japanese. Now, I could have protested and said, you know, no, 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 I don't want you to be doing that. And then come back a month later to pick up the conversation where we left off. That was not very efficient. So allowing them to have their sidebars and then they'd come back and break back into English and we'd move on with the meeting. So our meetings could sometimes be two or three hours mm -hmm. while a lot of sidebar conversations with the, uh, with the Japanese team actually working out some of these internal things that I didn't understand. Had I understood, they probably wouldn't have done it in front of me. Yeah. Well, that actually happens in every, every deal. It's exactly as you said in the setup. So much of the, quote, selling happens when we're not in the room. So yeah. we, we talk about having coaches and champions as though they're magically created and they're, they're already there. That, that's not the way it works. We have to 
recruit, nurture, develop, and maintain that their status as a champion or as a coach, uh, as the case may be, if they lack power and, 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 uh, and access. But we need to be developing that. We need to enable them with the information, uh, sometimes with the, with the tools. I will also role play. I'll say, okay, let's walk through this. What you're gonna you're gonna go up, you know, I'm gonna we're looking to get access to an economic buyer, or maybe I'm using them as an advanced team for procurement. I say, let's play this out. When you're going down a procurement, they're gonna want to know this, this, and this. What's your answer? How can I help you? What do you need? Maybe I get them a walk-around deck, you know, a slide a PowerPoint deck that I call a walk-around deck, something they can walk around their organization with, and it shows here's the you know, an existential problem, here's a compelling solution. And here are the, you know, here are the different ways in which we got to this decision. And, you know, I, I need your support to take this forward and to do it in a, in a very effective and, and, you know, efficient way and help them be successful. Their success ultimately is our success as sellers. But don't think that they just naturally show up one day and they have everything they need and they know everything that you want them to know uh, in order to represent us. We need to, we need to invest in them and develop them. Yeah. And that's, you know, for the people out there who have had command of the message, that's why we love the mantra so much because it aligns everybody on that consistent message, required capabilities, positive business outcomes, metrics, and it makes it consumable. So it could be walked or walk around part of the walk around deck, so to speak. I'm curious, Frank, to hear your tips of how you stay close to the deal. How do you how do you stay close to what's happening in those prospect companies as, as part of your sales process, knowing that they're having many conversations when you're not there? Well, I think one of the things that's, uh, that helps that take place is the genuine interest in, in the desire to help them achieve their outcomes. Mm-hmm. So the conversation isn't, or the email isn't, want a status check. I want a status check. I want a status check. There's only so many times in a cycle you can call and, you know, and say, just checking in, just checking in, just checking in. Have something of value. Have, hey, I, you, you by the way, put out, I think, tremendous content in the blogs and in our website on force management. There's always a new topic. And to be able to share that topic with, a, with an existing client in the middle of, of an engagement or in the middle of a campaign, you help me do my job very, you know, uh, quite a bit because I can take something that you, it's topical, it's a, it's a new conversation about, you know, SKO, about selling in difficult times or whatever our, our latest uh, blog post is, uh, I can leverage that to say, hey, I, I, I just this just came out, I read through it and I thought of you. Uh, go to paragraph three on, on the second page. I think this really hits to what we were talking about you know, in our conversation last week. There's ways to do it. Well, it doesn't have to be homegrown information either. It could be something just current events, topical, you know, whatever it is in you know, the top of the financial newspapers or whatever the industry or the vertical is, something that's relevant to them and relevant to the issues they're having and the problems that we're helping them solve. So I think that's one thing is is to to bring some value and share uh, our observations and things that might be of interest to them. And I think it is okay to check in on with them and say, "What do you need? Can mm-hmm. I can, can I be of any service? Can I help you? Are you prepared? You said there was a meeting on November fifth. Are we prepared for that? What do you need? What can I do to help? It's about them. It's never about ideal. It's always about them and their ability to reach their outcomes and working backwards to 
create that compelling event of we need to start now and therefore you need to be prepared to take this forward internally. That's great. And thank you for the compliment on our content, Frank. I think to what your point, it's, it's about providing value to them, to their outcomes. And that's what you've been saying consistently throughout this whole podcast. It's not about you and your deal. It's about them and getting the outcomes. And when you have that mindset, some of these things that I'm asking you about just become simple because you're focused on, on the right end game. Exactly right. And you mentioned selling in a tough economic environment. We've, we've posted some content about that. I'll be sure to link that up in the show notes as well. And I know in your career, Frank, that you've sold through through some tough economic environments. What's your advice for people listening out there who this might be their first time selling in a foggy environment, or this one is unlike any other one they've, they've had to deal with? How? What's your advice for helping them stay focused and motivated? Well, this may very well be the uh, the hundred year storm that we're in right now. We've got uh, a trifecta of uh, COVID virus, uh, an, an election, and uh, just a, just a handful of um, very difficult situation. But one thing that brings to light is everything that our customers think they know about the behaviors and the needs of their customers is changing. It is changing right now today. And we all have to be thinking about where our customers are going to be when we come out the other side of this, whether it's you know two months, six months, whether it's the end of June, the end of September, we will come through this. And to be under to be able to have the conversations about how are you preparing to come out the other side? How are you preparing to kind of skate where the puck is going if you want to go back, you know, use the Gretzky uh, term? Yeah. That's really the, and how these natural events or political events or the situation where we're in with COVID, how they intersect with markets over time is really interesting. A lot of people are thinking about that and we can engage with them around that topic and kind of help them think through how they're going to be ready when the time comes and how they're going to know where they need to be based on where their customers will want them to be. It's a very, I think it's a very healthy conversation and people are willing to have it. They're looking for all the help, guidance and value they can get. We learn a lot from each of those conversations as well. And today is a, uh, is a remarkable time to be, to be selling anything. You know, how are the problems that we have today going to change? How are the solutions we're using or anticipating to solve those problems going to change or going to need to change? Those are really strong conversations. And again, one in which I think uh, both parties can find value. So in selling through difficult times, I think it's uh, one being transparent, one being genuinely interested in the customer's outcome and wanting to be part of that, that journey, be part of that solution. And just be open. Yeah, you still you still can provide value even in tough economic times. When we talk about sales, there's always some great stories, and I've had the privilege, Frank, of hearing many a story from you and some of our uh, our other colleagues. And I remember one that you said you've told about closing and closing for a next step. And it kind of goes back to the point you were making earlier about always know where you're going to go for the conversation. It was. I believe it was a rep you had accompanied to a final meeting. You were going to get the close, and the guy reminded the customer about a lease option. Uh, lesson to remember there. 
<laughs> that was a uh, true story. Uh, the company was a technology company in Connecticut. And the rep and I went down there, and uh, it was a closing call. And it was a little further along than I think the rep understood, to the point where the client actually had a purchase order. And, and this was in the days when purchase orders were actually physical. And he put the purchase order on the table, and he had it in front of him across the table. And we were talking, and he had a few questions about you know implementation, logistics, and whatever the, the natural post-closing questions would be for next steps. And he's sliding the, the uh, and we're all done. And we're all excited. And I, you know, we're not reaching across the table and pulling the uh, purchase order towards us. We're just kind of being patient. And as there was this moment of silence at the table, and as he was sliding the purchase order across, the, uh, the salesperson said, I know that you at one point had some, uh, some interest in, in, in lease options. And as he said that, the, the customers sliding the purchase order across the table stopped. And it's halfway across the table, and there's this pregnant pause at the table of, are we going to get this or what? And then he starts sliding it back and said, you know, I'll call him John. That's really good. I've forgotten about that. Why don't, why don't we hold on to this and explore that? I'd like you to talk to my finance director. Oh. Now, did, did we get that? We did get that. It was probably, well, it could have been three to five days later. Uh, when we did walk through the the leasing options with the uh, with the finance team, but that could easily have gone another way. You're not done till you're done. <laughs> and when we left, we walked out the uh, we got to the lobby, and I said to uh, this gentleman, I said, "Did your career pass before your eyes just then?" Ultimately, <laughs> <laughs> we did get the deal, but there was a lesson learned. Be gracious enough to win. Be smart enough to win, and. Don't sell beyond the close. Right. I think all the salespeople listening just threw up when you told that story about the lease options. Well, we it and it, and it slid right back and we were, oh my. And, and you know, I don't, I don't recall who it was, uh, you know, last day of the quarter type of thing. <laughs> but, it, you know, very well could have been. And, and that would have made, that would have meant a difference. It was yeah. the quarter, last day of the year. There were bonuses. There were stock options uh, at risk. And there's, there's a graduated commission rate. Gosh, well, I'm sure that person never did did that again. That's a good one to, to end on to for every, everyone to remember that lesson. Frank, you've given us a lot of gems here today, a lot of um, great quotes that I'm going to have a great time putting on some graphics on LinkedIn for everybody to see. But is there one mantra or one bottom line, maybe you've already mentioned it, that you try to follow uh, when you do your job? Yeah, the, the, you know, and I've I've gotten better at this over time, where it became less about me and more about the customer. I believe our role as sellers, we are stewards, and and if we take that stewardship seriously and responsibly, uh, we will focus on customer outcomes. And when we do that, we're going to be just fine. That all of our wins will come at you know at, in the wake of a client win, and if the clients are reaching their objectives. They will call me back. They will buy from me five, six more times. And that's the focus. It's uh, it's outside mindset, however you want to call it, but putting the customer's needs and customer's outcomes first, uh, it will always pay dividends. Oh, that's great. We'll leave it there. Frank, I enjoyed this conversation with you today. Well, I did as well. Thank you. Thank you for all you do for us as well.
Yes. Well, and we thank, we thank you for being a great steward of force management. Thank you to all of you for listening to the Audible Ready podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can also subscribe to our blogs at forcemanagement.com. At Force Management, we're focused on transforming sales organizations into elite teams. Our proven methodologies deliver programs that build company alignment and fuel repeatable revenue growth. Give your teams the ability to execute the growth strategy at the point of sale. Our strength is our experience. The proof is in our results. Let's get started. Visit us at forcemanagement.com. You've been listening to the Audible Ready Podcast. To not miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Until next time.